you see, you have the you can't go by the name because Clark Clark generally is a Catholic name, but you have Clark and the other McMahon is a, is the same too. It's hard to go just by names. There's some of the from William soldiers buried here. There are, yeah, yeah. Was, uh, oh, this is a very old, uh, old church and graveyard. This is a story that began for me with a newspaper my mother kept in the bottom of her wardrobe until she died. It was an Irish independent from December the 10th, 1971. The main picture on the front page is captioned Mr. Fox and the rubber bullet that stopped the dial. Billy Fox was then TD for this, the Monaghan constituency. What he'd done was bring two rubber bullets and a CS gas canister into the Doyle chamber. He questioned the Fianna Fáil government's avowed republicanism. The canisters had been fired into the south by the British army. Fox was forcibly removed from the Doyle that day and he became, briefly, a national figure. He was then 32, charismatic and full of promise. That story, on the surface at least, was to end in this place, Anna Mullen Church of Ireland graveyard. And that's the family uh, grave, uh, grave plot, uh, himself and his parents, and uh, late uncle Thompson went in, were buried there in the, within a space of uh, perhaps seven or eight years. The church used here now at all? Oh, it is certainly, yes. It is a church, a church of Ireland for, for this, this area. There would be service here. I understand every Sunday. Is it a big congregation? No. I'd imagine a couple of dozen. There isn't that many. See, you have Corlea, the church that you come down past. It's it's uh, Presbyterian. You see, you have a, a number of Presbyterians when um, taught of Ireland within the parish. And within County Monaghan, Presbyterians would have much greater numbers than Church of Ireland. That photograph was crucial to the story of Billy Fox. It was to alienate part of his core constituency, the Protestants of County Monaghan, and lose him his Doyle seat in the 1973 election. He was then elected senator. Senator Billy Fox departed this life on the 11th of March 1974, aged 35 years. He served every man with Christian devotion and died in holy innocence. Let your light so shine before men, directed by his fellow countrymen. Billy Fox was born and baptised into the Church of Ireland in Cortober in 1938. He was elected to the Doyle in 1969. He lost his Doyle seat in the 1973 election. He was subsequently elected to the Senate. He was the only member of the Oireachtas killed during the recent Troubles. The words on his death certificate say, Death due to murder. That was 1974. But there's more to the life and death of any man than just the cold facts. I grew up during that time, and the facts don't tell you what it's like to have politics as a virus in your blood, 
or what it's like to drive a border road at the dead of night, your attention fixed in the rear view mirror. There were a good few Protestants around this area when you were growing up then. Would have been what percentage would you say? It's hard to know. It'd probably be ten percent. Ten to fifteen percent. Uh would. You see, in, in our townland, uh, well, in the townland I was reared in, Corrigan, there was no Protestant name at all in it, or none, none in the present townland that I'm living in. But then, in the immediate round Aragoni school, there's a number of Protestants. And then you have over at um, Shantana, a number of Protestants over that area. I, I would say at the present time there's hardly 10% of the population. Scarcely at all. At the very time. But the relationship between the, both communities were, was always quite good in, in this area, no problems what, whatsoever. The person was taken just as we found, as they were found, and you know, there were no, never any sectarian problems in, in, in this parish. Protestant farmers were bigger and better, better land area, I suppose, it's true. That. But not them all. Not them all, no. Not them all. Oh, not them all. You see, growing up near the border then, you always felt as if something were about to happen. As if, like today, the sky were about to impact down on us at any moment. <laughs> he was a fine gay man, a brother of Tom Fitzpatrick. He said, When you go into this business, he says, You're like a badger in a barrel, your job is to get out of the barrel and forget about everybody around you because you have to get elected. <laughs> so, so be every man. There's more, there's more squabbles within the party with the people who are there than, than the opposition. It's not the lads, your own, it's, your own, it's your own guys you have to watch. That just was him. He was just. Game for a laugh. Game for a laugh. He was a good-looking man. Oh, yeah, very good-looking. Good oh, photographs of him. He's a very fine speaker. There's no doubt in the world about it. See, I wasn't... There was some... photographs taken that time. Right. But he always wore a, a dark pinstripe suit. Mm. And he'd he he up well. He and he'd always have a good white shirt and tie. And he'd, he'd, be, he'd be dressed to kill. This is Derry Gooney Community Centre, where a group of friends of Billy Fox met up to remember him. He was everybody's man. If a car was about the house, no matter who came in, he would have just drive up. You know, if he wasn't up, there wouldn't be long getting him up. He wouldn't be a good man to rise too early at that time either because he'd wear the whole night. Yeah. But if anyone came, there could be 20 cars on the road in a half an hour and Billy would be both talking the whole lot of them. Even as a public representative, he seemed to have a great way with civil servants and people and he could get work done. But for whatever way he, he could operate, he, had, he could make the success with an hour. system. Pastor Patrick went to the dial at that time... And he'd go to the, the secretaries. Well, he wasn't shy talking to women anyway. No. So he, if there was a particular area, it, it'd be agricultural, yeah. no matter what it was, Billy would go to that section and he'd be sure the first thing he'd do is go to the counter with the girl. Okay. And he wouldn't be long going down the sheet. If Pat Ruxton's name was there and looking for something, he'd turn that sheet and could be torn back a couple of times before you'd leave. <laughs> As the night wore on, the talk turned back to those muted, half-heard stories I remembered from growing up. Border stories. And his family? No, it wouldn't, wouldn't no. be politically minded at all. No, no, no. William Thompson, no. No, no they just vote and that'd be it. Uh, that'd be it, yeah. 
But then a lot of things happened after that, whether it's worth talking about now or not. You know, different things happened. Billy lost the Protestant vote. Did you see there was a, a Protestant association in the county of Monaghan? They used to say it was in around between six and 7,000 votes, Protestant votes. Because of that CS, of the, yes. CS gas canister yes. that you talked about earlier mm. on in the paper. Because uh, that, that in, the first, in the election of 65, before Fox decided to go, he had uh, a fair idea that the Protestant Association was going to support him. Now, he, on the first election, he may have only got a percentage of the vote, but on the second election, he would have got the big percentage of the vote. So they seen more security in voting for Childers, particularly in a troubled situation, you know. Well, Childers lost the vote that And particularly, well, you see, Fox would have got it in, in, in the 69 election and the 65 elections. Fox even would have picked up a Sinn Féin vote in North Manor. And he actually did. Yeah. Protestants, were, were they afraid by, of what he was saying? They were being instructed from the pulpit, you know, this yeah. is not within our... <laughs> vocabulary in other words to allow this this type of support it was of the idea of, as a, as a running, running hand in hand along with these boys but yeah. I think Fox was misled at the time I think I think that's I think he realised that afterwards he, he, was, was, he was set up that he was better but, keeping his head down yeah and soldier on you was nearly too active at that particular time and the position about the situation yeah, is this in the the way that he shouldn't have done it there was an issue and that was the king of Fox the same as there was, he got himself he got himself assassinated because he'd faced ten men if they were standing there. He had no fear in them, you know. And should I know you saw and take that out thing from over your head, like get a look at you, you know. That was the type of character he was. Like he didn't have any fear in him at all, no fear at all. Well, he went down one Sunday, and he went down to your hunt and started to fill the craters, which was, wasn't shouldn't have been done by anything, you know. He shouldn't have been at that. Yeah. Why not? Do you think he should have just kept well, he, out? He, he, he was a Protestant, you see, and he was elected here and going well. And he was digging with the two feet below. You know, he was trying to make them happy and be happy himself. Trying to keep his constituents he, happy. He, keep his constituents happy at the same time. But uh, he, he was still uh, wrongly invited down to do the, those. His people invi- invited him down to do them that he realised afterwards he shouldn't have done. Well, he obviously felt that the, that creation the roads was not the answer. Yeah. And... There's a lot of farmers inconvenienced along that bother line where they had land north and south. And, and you know, that they couldn't move. They were restricted. They were being put... They maybe had to travel 20 miles to get round to feed their stock or look after... It was an issue regardless of politics. It was an issue. It was definitely an issue. He got no, he got no Protestant vote, actually, because I you know it. I was involved at the time. What's this they called him? It wasn't like Billy, but the... Bogside. Bogside Billy. That's all. He went... To I knew a lot of them now and worked with them and got them out to work during that election that he was elected. And I know ones, and you know them, Pat, too, that I went to. And they were good friends of mine, but I said, what about Billy? Bob said, Billy, he said, that's all we know. So he got... His, the girlfriend was... He was going out with that, Marjorie Colson. She came to me that day at the count below in one, and she said, Patsy, we've got one vote. She said, maybe two... That's all the problem. He didn't get half a dozen of brothers and votes in that election. I remember an incident. We went in his skiing and there was a poster up on the road. There's a vacancy for uh, a B-specials, a play to Billy Fox or someone else. That was on the road and Billy wanted to take this. As a matter of fact, he did take it. Remember in the 69 election, 
Fine Gael took two seats in Cavan and two in Monaghan, and uh, um, it was it was it was a hard pill to swallow for them to lose the seat here in Monaghan because it was a stronghold, Fianna Fáil stronghold. That was the situation, and the politics were more bitter. The civil war politics were still alive. That's right. You know, nowadays it's a different story because people are more mature and they're more positive in their thinking and, and they're capable of making up their mind. That, that was the situation at that point in time and that's why this kind of a, a slower campaign was carried on to see if you could discredit the man in any one way. Fianna Fáil tried to tarnish him with another brush. Fox never was, in, never, never was in the bee specialist. There's no question about that. There was times, Pat, so you remember with different things that happened, Alan, that wasn't right. Like, I mean, Billy Fox was followed several times. Yeah. And I remember... And you talking about doing something, I was bailing the field of hay one day and broke an accident in the rail. It was the only new bailer. And the only place I could get the path was below and lock supported down. Yeah. So I met Billy on the road. He says, get into that car and come with me. But I went a certain distance. I couldn't go any further. I had to go on to locks myself from a certain area. But he wouldn't go into the north at that particular time. People can be foolish by saying things they shouldn't have said. And it created a bit of friction as well. But the Northern Troubles were at their height. At they the were high that, yes. You know, and it, was, it was a very difficult time. It was a very difficult time. Uh, around, around the border areas. It was. As to why he was shot down in the area of the country he was shot in, I, I just can't understand it. There was a car trying to stop him coming into Blaney one night. Paddy, you remember it? And he went on, and, and I could never understand why he didn't bull in Gary. But he went to Caddick and he went to the Hagish. And he went to his belly training round and he finished up it. Uh, there was a sergeant living above Shantana. And uh, he, pulled the, he drove the car into the house. You could drive the car in and round the back of the house. But the other car pulled up there and didn't move. Because they thought it was only an ordinary house. But when he went into the house, they got the door and the sergeant came out. He stayed there for a good while and they stayed in the car for a long time. But they, Billy didn't live that night until it was near Mauna. And there were two boys in it and it was an ordinary car. But them things was happening that in Peggy, wasn't yes, it? Yes, a lot of um, serious activity it's around the border areas. Yes. In the north and south at the time, you know, it, it's plain uh, to forget about how, how uh, difficult it, uh, and serious it was at the time. Where were you when you heard he was missing? We had it on the news that morning at 8 o'clock. Actually, Helen had it. And uh, she, she called me and she it up. And I was only up actually the next door neighbour which is a Fianna Fáil man, and he was a good friend of uh, Billy's as well. He landed in, and Sir Frank was shaking at the time. He said, did you hear about Billy last night? I said, no. He said, the man was shot last night. We're, we're, we're learning to believe in recent times that there were seven bullets in him, and some of them never identified. That's a hot guns to come at him. It's a strange situation. 25 years later, like they say, that they weren't fit to identify. Mm. I was kind of shocked at him, desperate shocked at him. right. It took a wee while for it to settle down now, I'll tell you that. Cratered roads, a body riddled by seven bullets, rumours about B-specials, vehicles followed, army checkpoints, a labyrinth of roads leading nowhere, your car caught in an arc of light from a British Army helicopter on an unapproved road, eyes framed in the rear-view mirror, lost. Just get out here and ask. 
Those of us who grew up on this border have a different sense of geography. Things slide into each other. Thinking you're in the north, you're in the south. Whatever you say, say nothing. Whatever you say. How are you doing? I'm looking for George Coulson's house. Oh, yes, This is Peter. Peter Woods. This is George. How are you doing, George? This is the Coulson House in Tircooney, the house Billy Fox came to on the 11th of March 1974. Actually, the mobile home would have been just sitting, sitting along here. There was a little pad in straight from the laneway there to it. It's just about this length away from the laneway, and there was another gateway over there as well. And the other house was just over around the corner here. See, see the, the whitewashed shed there? Aye. And you see the higher gable the other side? Yes. It was just sitting in between there. And what way did he try to get away? He went on, he stopped over there and he ran along here and tried to get into where the house was and then he ran over and turned to his left and straight, straight down the fields there and then turned to his right again and way down the fields. That's where I found him. And there's nothing left of the house or nothing, anything? No. Nothing, absolutely nothing. There was nothing, only the, only the bare walls of it left. That's all that was left. It was born completely. Nothing, only the shell. It's always when you go to a place like this, it's a lovely place. And everything, just when you think of what could happen in yeah, a place. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, out in the quiet countryside. But would, it would have left a lot of the community very afraid at the time, you know, because they thought that some of them thought they were next. Well, as I say, I think that was the reason was to put a bit of fear into the Protestant community in the area. It was well known that Billy Fox visited this house on Mondays when his girlfriend, Marjorie Coulson, had a day off from her job in Belfast. Thirteen men came to this house that night. Five of them were charged and sentenced to life imprisonment. They said that they had received a tip-off, a rumour, that George Coulson was a quartermaster for the UVF. They have since been released under the Good Friday Agreement. We had already asked to speak to them. Is that your father over there? That's my father there. He great face, hadn't he? Yeah. He lived till he was within about a week at 94 years of age. So he did. 
I was just sick for a week. He went into hospital on a Saturday and he died the following Saturday night. He had a great life, apparently. He had a great that, life, he? yeah. He had a great life and was very, very active. You know, he was always knocking about around the farm, just keeping an eye on what was going on, you know. Like, he got it hard to handle it too, like that there was neighbours involved. Like, people, like, that he'd have grew up with, more or less. So the way. I'd say the, I'd say the 70s was the worst decade of any in the Troubles, nearly. And the, the, the very early 80s. So there's hard, there would have hardly been a household in the country but they would have lost a friend or a relation or somebody, an in-law or indirectly. There was nights when we were living in the mobile home and there was explosions and the, actually the sides of the mobile home would go in and out. So they would. Like along the whole border area there, like... And it was just you had to, you had to learn to live with it. It was day to day thing going on, which then it transpired afterwards. There was a, a big dump of arms found over the hill here in McCluskey's Mill. So there was, and then neighbours could tell us afterwards they could hear them practicing in the evenings there. Like we wouldn't have heard it here because you had the big hill in between you here. But there was a neighbour man down the road there, he's dead and gone to uh, Fred Moore. He said they used to start the tractor up in the evenings to get a chainsaw going. And the next thing you could hear the, the banging going on. Now, funny, one night before, it must have been a week or ten days before it happened, we were lying in the mobile home and Audrey noticed the latch on the door going down. And I was laying sleeping, and she wakened me. She says, George, there's somebody at the door. I says, not at all. She says, there is. The latch on the door went down. Of course, I ran out, but there was nobody there. But it was somebody trying the door. She must have been, she'd have been, the chair she was sitting in, she'd have been, on her, she'd have been facing the, the door of the mobile home, the front door of it. But like, the guardie knew that night it was somebody who was well used to a mobile home because there was no attempt made, you know, to open the door in the way. The door just opened out the way like a shot and they were in, standing in the middle of the room before you could blink. Telephone wires were cut on the lane and all too. There was a pole up the lane there and they were cut. Of course, that time there were no mobile phones or anything either. It was a big operation. It wasn't just scrambled no. together just in a, in a half an hour now. It was well enough planned. Oh, the, some of them admitted in evidence that they met on the top of the hill. They all gathered on the top of the hill there beforehand.
It just uh, like that just wrecks your life. So it does. Like after you were afraid to go out of the house or anything nearly for a long, long time after it. So you are. But then you see Billy when the when the troubles started Billy got involved sort of with both sides trying to mediate. The time they dug the board the roads here and all, you know, he there was a lot of aggro and all going on and so they were rioting and all and he used to go and try and make the peace and try and keep them the things separated. That is what I, I couldn't understand, like that the, the murder them in the end. Like he would have been with some of them down at Afin at different times where they were rioting at the at the, the filling in of the, the craters in the road. Like and they would have known him that night. There wouldn't have been a doubt about it. So they would And what happened that night? My wife and myself were sitting in the mobile home just on the stand of this house here. I was laying on a couch or watching television. And the next thing they burst in through the door of it. And put me down on the ground on my mouth and nose and took cut the, the flex off a heater and tied me hands behind me back. They came in and said, where's all these arms? And I said, what arms are you looking for? Oh, you have arms here. I said, there is there's a, a single-shot rifle there at the back of the door. And one of them went and looked at it. He said, a fat lad, of good that is. And said, there's a shotgun over in my father's house. This is more or less nearly an antique. So it was. And then took me over to the father and mother's house. Left somebody with Audrey in the mobile home. They were all armed and took me over with a, with a gun stuck in at the back of my ear. Can you have a bay walking and, and a revolver stuck at the back of your ear and it cocked? Because I heard him cocking it. I even told him to... The, the lane was all potholes. I told him to watch when he was walking along the lane because I knew you could... His hand was going, like he was nervous too. I told him to watch where he was walking. But his hand was shaking. Yeah. But it's something now you never forget. Like I wondered, would I hear the bang or... Took me over to the house and then they ransacked the house. They were there for quite a while, and then the next thing there was a, we heard a shot being fired, and there was panic in the house at that stage, and all ran out of the house. But no one uh, afterwards, like we knew that that was Billy coming, and some of them had Billy had stopped him on the lane where they just to the corner of the lane where you came in there to the front of the house, and uh, he got out of the car and ran and they fired a shot over his head or something, and then he went to come into the dwelling house, over my father and mother's house, and, of course, he met them all on the doorstep, and he ran again. Now, he hadn't a clue where he was going because he wouldn't have been familiar with our territory here because, like, any time he was here, like, it had been after dark. He wasn't an early bird when he came courting now. <laughs> but... Uh, he ran and he got quite a distance away but they all followed him and shot him 
he would have been a good quarter of a mile away from the house, way out across the fields. Of course, it wasn't, he wasn't found till about 11 o'clock the next day. And then, of course, they came back and they burned the houses, the, the dwelling house and the mobile home, left us with not a thing. Some of us were even in our bare feet. Not a stitch. It's just something you never forget. It's just sort of wrecked our lives. Audrey's health broke down after it. And she had a very big operation. She was in hospital in 1975-76 and developed colitis. And then went on, that went on, stabilised for a while. And then in 19, 1986, she had to go and have her bowel removed in Dublin. And then that, she had great relief for a few years then after that. And then she, she developed breast cancer there back. And she died in 03. And I'd say the whole thing contributed quite a bit to her death with anxiety, you know, and everything. Like they told her, they were going to shoot me. So they did. She was still... She was still in the mobile home. And then they took her over and the two children and put us all into the room and... One of them started rummaging. There was a press up at the side of the fireplace, and they started rummaging through that. And one of them came out the family Bible, pulled it out and looked at it, and he just there was an open fire, good fire going in the room, and he just landed it in on the top of the fire. Like we all thought at that stage, you know, this is it. And you see that happening. And what about it was the next day when the body was found? You must have known that night. We did. We knew that night that he, he must have been lying injured. We were hoping he would have been lying injured somewhere, maybe. We hadn't a clue where he was or anything. Not a notion. It was, I think it was about 11 o'clock the next day when he was found. I remember I was brought down to identify the body. So I was. Something you'll never forget now. You were shot in the chest and in the foot. They couldn't really establish, I think, in the post-mortem, which was forced. But some of the guard, he reckoned some of them stood over him. They, they were shot in the foot and some of them stood over him and shot him on the ground. But they, they dug the ground and riddled it and they never found the, the bullet. So they didn't. The one thing we found very hard to handle that it was neighbours was involved. Like that's what leaves it like neighbours and like I used to do work for them with a the tractor even at that stage. 
had a bull here and they used to come to get the cows served for the bull. Like when you can do that to your neighbours, you could do anything. For nothing? For nothing. For a shotgun and a single shot rifle? Yeah, that's right. And if they didn't even take them, they were left there. They were born, actually. And did any of them over the years ever come back to you? No. Oh, you see them about the town there. There's a few of them about cloners there all the time. You, you didn't interview any of them at all, did you, yet? No, we won't. Not yet. We wanted to talk to you first. Mm-hmm. <coughs> but we probably will go looking for some yeah, of them, all right. Probably will. Why wouldn't you? Yeah. Why wouldn't you? And did it, did he say that it happened kind of accidentally in the beginning that he he he, he took the the helmet or the balaclava of one of them and recognised his face or at least said he did? George didn't say that because he said. The following day, we went back to Pader McElroy and Packy Boyle, two of those who were in the community centre earlier. Thirty-two years after the murder, they still had unanswered questions. We had been in telephone contact with one of the five men. Well, that, that room or that room was rife, like what, from, from the word go, uh, that we understood it to be that way, but as you say, there was no evidence. No. I'm not sure where that, uh, but... Like, no, 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 that was said at the time. That was said at the time. Quite well, believe it was said. We were always led to believe that it was just an accident that he happened to be there on the night. But George was reading if it would be more organised type of thing. When his reading of it would be more that um, that the fact that they had 13 people and he said, like after they said they didn't mean to kill him, um, and while I think he can accept that they didn't mean to kill him, he said, why were they carrying guns if they didn't mean to use them? They told him they were going to kill him and they told his wife they were going to kill him. I think his, his feeling is that it just didn't happen that those fellas happened to get together on that night, as is sometimes thought, and decided, we'll go up to Coulson's, they have guns there. The roads were scouted out. They believed that they did it at coming up to 10 o'clock because they knew that the guards were changing shifts and clonus at the time. They went to both places at the same time and they knew um, that the caravan, that the mobile home he was in, that the door didn't open in like most doors do. It opened yeah. out, so they were straight into the place. Was he of the opinion that if he had to be found that night that he might have uh, survived? No, I don't think so. Um, he thinks that they weren't sure whether he was shot in the foot or the chest first. But there was a massive blood loss from the chest wound because they said the foot, whatever happened in his, in the shot in his foot, he didn't bleed much from because he was losing blood so heavily from his chest. He thinks that it, it happened originally, as I was saying, as a message to Protestants. 
to keep your heads down. And then Dennett got out of hand and Billy got killed. But he said his mother didn't think that. His mother always thought it was always about getting Billy and not about the Colsons at all. But then on the, when something that's that big happened to you, you were going to be thinking about it. They lost their home. They lost their... His wife's health was never the same after it. His, he had two small children. He had mother and father to, as well. And the farm there and his sister and Billy dead. So. And oh, it was a terrible tragedy for them. On a small farm, and he was, so he had no, so he was only living in a mobile home or a caravan after getting married shortly before that. But the, the night that, the night that our AGM went, what did you call your man? He was next guard. Yeah, yeah. He told us. He told us that night that there was nine bullets taken out of Billy's body. Nobody said at the school. Yeah. But we never knew of that. Now we always knew that there was that he was shot in the foot or the heel or someplace crossing the gate somewhere. Lost a lot of blood. Yeah, and 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 then the lungs was the fatal shot. He was a guard in Carrickman Cross for years, wasn't he? Or oh, where was he? Uh, Blaney. Yes. Blaney. And what about the stories the boys were saying down at the community centre that night about him being afraid to go across the border? I never heard very much about that, no. Well, he didn't cross the border quite frequently, you know, and... Um, Brought in lorries from Belfast and that, uh, you know, there might have been at a, at a stage and some kind of threat, you know, but it wasn't a, it wasn't an issue. It wasn't a bit, it wasn't a big issue, no. Certainly they're not that I'm aware of. I was Patsy Duffy brought up that. That night and about the two fellas following him and that he went in, drove into the Garda's private residence to escape them. Now, whether that's only rumour or what it is, we don't know. Well, the, the other aspect of that would be that you... You kept clear, you didn't get involved. Because I know the troubles were at the height of the time, you know, and the tension was fairly <coughs> high uh, along, along the border during those all through the 70s. Like I operated along that whole border line from Hackball's Cross down to Clontibbert and on down to Mybridge and 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 uh, over the years down on down Clahers Knockett Halland country. But you'd never you wouldn't you wouldn't talk about smuggling or <laughs> making pots, you know <laughs> anything. Yeah. 
You mind it your own business. As a fellow said to me one time, I was uh, way back in the start of the troubles over over at uh, it's only about a half mile from Cross Midland. When you cross the Dundalk Road there at Marnie Kill Cross, I used to name him McCabe. He says, you, you see nothing, you hear nothing, or you know nothing. No, no. The five men who were convicted of killing Billy Fox wouldn't talk to us. The five men who were convicted of the murder were members of the Provisional IRA. They have never spoken about what happened that night beyond an unsworn statement entered at their trial. Sean Kinsella, speaking on behalf of the men, said they profoundly regretted the killing. Neither he nor any of his co-accused had discharged a firearm. He did not know the identity of the men who had killed the senator. The identity of those men, the other eight men who were there, is still a secret. Beyond that, much of what happened that night remains a mystery. Things slide into each other. There is a geography of language, chasms between words. A sentence can hide a mountain. We return to tell George Coulson the men wouldn't talk. But I don't think any of them has been very forthcoming about anything like that. Like, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say so. They kind of want it forgotten, I think. Yeah, it probably would. You see, they'd still be sort of out on licence, wouldn't they? Mm. Those guys are all sort of out on licence if they got aggressive or anything, they would be going again. But, like, it, it wrecked their lives too, like, when you look at it. Young lives. Like, anybody that has to go in for 10, 15 years, like, it's a big spell out of their life too. So it is. Like I can't understand young lads getting involved like that when there is that risk. Because life's very sweet. So it is. But do you know when you're that age, it's when you look back that when you're in your 20s or in your teens and you're looking forward, it doesn't seem like that to people, I suppose. Well, I don't know. I never looked at it that way that they would have looked at it, anyway. Probably had too hard to walk at home and there was no time for anything else. Somebody asked me there recently about it, had any interest in football. I said none whatsoever, right, because I never played football because there was always work to be done at home. When you come home from the national school, there was so much work to be done on the farm and that was it. There was no time to run about playing football. It's just one of those things that shouldn't have happened now. Like, because, like, he was such a great man for his country, Billy. So he was. Like, there's no knowing, like, where he would have reached in politics, like, if he had been allowed to live his life. And he had a great way with people, to, so he had. Because it is what you said to us before as well, like because of the, you can have those rumours about somebody, but if they had looked at your life and the, yep. the, way, you had, the way you worked... They All had they had to do was watch you, and they would know rightly that you, were, you weren't involved in anything. 
under det här. På den ord det peppades in det som valde när han lät det det ungkog. I think what he said at the trial is probably true that they were in the house with you that that they were the ones who were in the house that night. Yeah. The word of him but then they all left the house. Every every one of them left the house. For quite a considerable time and then they came back again and then they decided to burn the house. If you if you if you could really get the answers like why like it leaves that very big wide open space there. Why why us? Like we had a good relationship with all our, our Catholic neighbours and friends. Like why why did they pick on us? That's the one the one big question. Like I could understand like if I had been involved in anything. But like when you know when you're in your heart that you're not weren't involved in anything like this is why you can ask that question, why me? Or why us? If I had been alive now, the two of us would have been better able to handle it, you know. But when she's gone now, you feel so alone. Like there's nobody else in the family here now. Well, Marjorie was here that night, but part of, well, the children, but then they don't remember anything at all about it. Which is all the better. Their part. You can close it out of your mind, all right, but it'll it'll come back to you. It'll keep coming back to you. Bad memories always come back to you at some stage or another, don't they? Time is a great healer, all right, and. You can deal with it better as time goes on. But you still you still think of it all the time too. That's that's what the the man was ready to cross that road We have forgotten though. Forgotten where events like that raid on a Protestant farm close to the border might well have led. Everything's folded away, like that paper that lay in the bottom of my mother's wardrobe for years. But George Coulson doesn't have that choice. One of the things he said to us was that while memory faded, the essential truth remained. For him, truth is something elemental. Nice to talk to But the real truth of what happened that night is known only to the men who won't talk and the eight men who were there and who were never charged. It was well known that Fox visited the Coulson house on Mondays, so why was Monday chosen for the raid? 
Was Fox a victim of something that started out as a warning to Protestants and went too far? Or did Billy Fox die because he was Billy Fox? What else would there be? Nothing else. Nothing else. We had to wait 20 years from this part of the country anyway. We are living in Carrick there. We used to come up towers and you'd come here and you'd come there. and So wherever you were at, you'd go along with them. The only thing that I'd be disappointed in is, is, is Billy Fox's memory being lost. You know, even even within Finnegale. And, and, and of course, I suppose it's a passage of time, maybe. But uh, it's a pity that, that, I suppose, the fact of maybe having no family or no relations with part of it, too. See, the father and mother was dead before Billy died, and then there was no one left, only an uncle and he died shortly after. So the, the fox name was wiped out completely from Bowen. Here we go. Good night, John. Good night. Good night, Pat. Good night, Good night, Pat. Where?